Good evening, Monadnock Region, and welcome to another cool, Lester smooth episode of Go Mo Tonight. The Monadnock Region's only weekly, locally focused comedy podcast. Here in the Go Monadnock Space Lounge, I am your host this evening, Chris DiLoretto, here with my lovely co host, Zoe Rotenheinsman. And we're coming at you, we're recording today on Thursday. September 14th? 14th. Sounds about right. <laughs> September 14th, um, 2023. Yes. Um, and this episode should come out tomorrow. Um, if it doesn't, it won't come out till next week because I am headed on a trip to our nation's capital for a summit. An important summit. Very important summit. Top secret? Well. Or no? We don't need to. <laughs> out ourselves here um, or anything like that um, so you know lo- lots of lots of good lots of good things going on um, you know shout out to our friends Rachel Mussenden and Jared Radke you know those of you who watched episode 60 may have learned too late that we had a reading at the divine on Main wine bar uh, a week ago last Thursday night with some out-of-town authors our first These guys were total strangers to us uh, when we launched Monadnock Underground almost five years ago now, and they have both been, um, you know, you know, published in our in our series and collections. Rachel has won awards twice, um, and we have we have developed a relationship. And you know, Jared, when we met him, he was living in Philadelphia. Now they're in Atlantic City. You know, like I said, total strangers to us. Um, before this, and now we're friends and like creative collaborators, and they they used a rare weekend away to come up here and to check out New Hampshire for the first time, to see us, to read to local crowds, uh, to fall in love with the waterfalls of Wilton. They did, yes. They stayed in a really nice Airbnb by some private waterfalls, and and don't worry, they they did also hit up a Peterborough Airbnb. Um, Which they also loved. They also yes. Hard to beat a private waterfall. That's right. Um, But they, you know, I I think they really liked um, the event. I know I did. We had a tremendous audience. But I really just want to say, what a great thing that you guys came up. And we should all in this town feel glad that that people will come up here for things like that. Absolutely. And just, I don't want to get into this big issue, but like I know that that. Some people in town have a fear, not entirely unfounded because this is true in other places, right? But they have a fear that somehow um, Airbnbs and things like that are causing problems or they're contributing to our, our housing woes. Um, to be honest, I don't see that to be the case here in particular. And, and part of the reason I say that is because we hardly have any. Um, because that's kind of the point, is because when you want guests, some of you know, I'm sure, when you want guests to come and visit you here, if you don't have the space in your house or on your property somehow, uh, lodging is not impossible, but people don't have, like, options, really, usually. Mm. You know, you kind of have to pick. My, my parents very memorably, uh, my, my dad is a very tall, large man, <laughs> And did not fit into the guest accommodations that that I had for him at that time, and so sadly they had to like they were coming for a week. They had to find another place. 
they had to go all the way to the Hancock Inn, which they mm. loved. It was mm-hmm. a beautiful place, Very but nice. like definitely put a damper on our family vacation week because it was like a, a minor haul to to get together each day, right. <laughs> unplanned minor haul. So I mean, let's remember that. Like, if you can demonstrate to me, and I, you know, I'm kind of up on these issues in these types of happenings and everything. I watch the state of affairs, right? And if you could somehow demonstrate to me that we were truly losing out on, like, a significant number of rental units to Airbnbs, like, that could go to the, the young, the young low-wage workers that everyone claims without thinking too hard that we have a shortage of and, and you know, need to, need to be populated with, then, then I might feel differently. Um, I, I'm still very reticent to ban things, but I'm not close to the idea that that um, short-term rentals uh, could be problematic, right? But there doesn't seem to be any evidence of that today, and I would like a couple of more because a lot of us here like to have guests, right? Anyways, it was a great time, though, and the reason I – well, part of the reason I bring it up, other than to say thank you to – Jared, Rachel, and this town. But, you know, we don't talk about Monadnock Underground too much on this podcast, but it is kind of how we got we got this whole media thing started. And it's worth pointing out that when we started it, and this is fresh on my mind because we had open mic tonight and I kind of said this earlier, but the, the we didn't even intend to start a, a little publishing house. We, we were never going to publish books. We didn't really even intend to have a an actual journal um, or, or permanent space necessarily where the public sees this writing, right? The intent, the goal from the beginning was to just provide a, a space, like a nexus for a community of people who are into writing, both the reading and the writing of it, to congregate around and to share things and to collaborate. And so, all that to say, we've succeeded at that and then some. And I think that the example of just these, like I said, complete strangers, no connection to us. They're not friends of friends. Jared found us through an ad or something and submitted to us. And like I said, it's been one of the most distinct repeat writers that we have. Um, And the fact that we now are actual friends, you know, and and not just creative collaborators or online acquaintances or something, it means a lot. We've shared Storm Duck together now. Yeah. It's it's so true. It is so true. We did. We almost got struck by lightning, but it it all turned out okay <laughs> in the end. We're here. We're yes. here now. We are we are we've talked about this a bunch and I think we are gonna take the lightning slightly more seriously. You know, I don't know if it is just like retrospective like bad memory, but I feel like I may my the hair may have stood up on on me during that lightning time. No, because if that happened, it would have got you. Well, that's what I was. That's <laughs> that's what I read one time when I was really reading fearful things. I was like WebMDing with lightning online, <laughs> and I read. I think in a couple of places. I don't. I can't. I'm not a. I'm not a scientist, guys. Okay, so I'm not an expert, and I shouldn't have opinions on anything. But anyways, what I've read is that if not not. Maybe not just like hair on your arm or something, but like if all of your hair stands up, 
in the middle of a lightning storm, that means that there's like this like ion trail coming off of you, and mm. you're going to get struck by lightning. Okay, like it was you, an ion trail level. Like it's a, like it's like, as I understand it, you can't really get away from it. Like once that happens, you know. I did continue down the rabbit hole all the way. I believe the thing to do, if I recall correctly, is kind of like to get on the balls of your feet and sort of like crouch a little bit. Um, don't get on the ground and like don't get don't stand fully upright. Um, for some reason, you're slightly more like the way that the current is going to travel into you when you get blasted. You're more likely to survive. Unpleasant thought, yeah. but that's what you're options are at that my my technique which was successful since i did not get struck by lightning was to run throw throw my umbrella and possibly squeal and definitely run i heard a a yelp or a squeal (laughs) i don't think it came out of me maybe it did i that's i am suggested that's been suggested i i felt like i heard it outside of me with my ears but an out-of-body there was it, it was a chaotic moment you know, so the fog of war. Am I right? Nine eleven. Yes. Only it was the opposite of fog. It was more like the world was white. That's but right. Yeah, I was fine. blinded for a second. The lightning strike was like right there somewhere, and we were trying to get this duck out of a metal cylinder. I did hear that there was a tree down, like at the bottom of Goyette, so it was like half a mile. If that was that strike, or, or like. A quarter of a mile. There was probably more than one. You know, I mean, this one, the, it, it, this one made the electricity go out only for as long as like the lightning flashed. So it was, I think it was close to the house. Yeah. So be careful out there, guys. None of us want to get struck by lightning. Definitely not. Right. <laughs> so, um, you know, as we head into September, I feel like we are all kind of still in transition mode. Um, the the action of the fall has yet to pick up. Maybe I don't think I'm wrong in saying that. You know, like it, like town action. Yeah, town wise, sure. Yeah. I feel like the the bustle. We did we did go to Handstock. Handstock was awesome. Handstock was cool. Handstock, you know, props to uh, David Young and all of the people who put that together. We're giving out a lot of props lately. It's, it's great. Positivity, guys. My new it, mantra. It was just like a perfect day, which was. I don't mean. I mean the the bands were cool and the people were cool too. But like that was at least part of what made that so awesome. I'm. I mean, it was very. It was summer. It was very hot, but it was you know in the. It was this like oasis between storms basically, and I think a lot of people were calling David, being like, Ah, you should cancel. Are you going to cancel? I think it's going to rain. And he, to his credit, man, good job, dude. Like because I I know that feeling, and that is it's very tempting to be like, okay, it'll be a disaster if it rains. Like we need to. I mean, we are not known for canceling things for the rain. That's true. We had an after party (laughs) in the rain, for the record. Um, But I I do think that generally, and I guess maybe, so maybe, maybe we're like David in that regard, because maybe that's why I appreciate it so much, because that is what we did for the, for the after party is say, hey, you never know what time it's going to rain. Let's just do it. All our food trucks are dropping out. Doesn't Doesn't matter. matter. We're still doing this thing. (laughs) Um, David had food trucks. Nobody dropped out, as far as I know, and he held firm on it. And not a, I think, I guess. So, the the festival goes long. Festival, impressive. Eleven to eight, you know, so nine hour deal. We had five kids with us. We were selling books, and 
Um, we made it until like 4.30, almost 5 o'clock, with, so like almost six hours. They, they were troopers. They did a good job. We couldn't stay till the whole thing. I heard afterwards it rained a few drops at 6 o'clock mm. and then cleared right back up again. So awesome. Nice. Good, you know, the, the providential. Yeah. You know, the, the forces out there smiled on the handstock organizers. There, it just it was a really nice vibe. Um, the the music was good. The yeah. the crowd was good. It's we in this. We had to leave in the middle of this cool jazz quartet. I like them a lot. Yeah. Making me like saxophone. Then yeah. You know, it's pretty cool. Yeah. This was some of the first good Not saxophone that's always been exposed to. <laughs> right. But it's. But we we have kind of determined that like you just haven't had a lot of good sax in your yeah, life. Yeah. Just maybe scarred by like those Kenny G, Bill Clinton, nineties right, years. Right. Which is you know for those of us especially those of us who like jazz, you know, that's not the saxophone, <laughs> right? Um, even though I do think Kenny G might be, like, the the um, top-selling saxophonist of sure, all time. Sure, but when I just, when I think about no. saxophone, and, I ha- and it's that, like, smooth, like, that's just, that's just a big turn-off. Yeah, I agree. It's but this, this jazz, sure. this jazz, Quartet man didn't have that same Regu- vibe. regular saxophone. This <laughs> this guy, you know, playing a tenor sax, beautiful, very nice, very nice. Yeah, so it was a shame to leave, and I know I I think that there were probably going to be some great bands um, as as the you know festival headed towards its its climax uh, as well that we missed. But yeah, great job. I g- I guess my only criticism is I wish the field that it's in had Verizon service. Um, because no. <laughs> we, we, we ended up being a cash-only operation because uh, we couldn't get our, our square working. Well, but, um, hilariously enough, <laughs> for all the crap that I get for not having Verizon, um, I had service, and I could have run the square, but he could not even get a text to verify me. It's kind of, you know, it is it is sort of a bone of contention that comes up at funny times because, like, if you look at a coverage map, Verizon undeniably has like the best coverage, right? But if you go to any place where Verizon has a dead spot, you can bet any money that whatever. What do you have? I have Google Fi, which uses like a any tower, like a bunch, not yeah. all, but a, but a bunch. She will have service. And I am convinced that Verizon degraded its own service sometime in the last um, few years because there's whole places like Keen is like a Verizon dead spot now, like most of the city of Keene, which mm. seems crazy to me. You know, whole sections of like, um, Peterborough is mostly good, but like, you know, I go dead in spots in Temple where I didn't used to go dead. Like, it's weird. Um, and, you know, that's not, I'm not trying to be conspiratorial. Like they, I mean, wireless carriers do that. They, they most likely what happened is they probably had a contract with a different carrier to use their towers for many years and decided to, not pay for that contract anymore. Mm. Um, so again, I'm not I'm not spinning tails here. Like this is a there might be a business reason to do that, um, and it just sucks for us because we live in a not very populated area. But it's great for people with Google Fi who might not have service in some regular places. But no, so back when you noticed me not having service, I had a different. different oh, you did. Service. Yeah, you used yeah. to have no service like anywhere. With that carrier. Yeah, it wasn't a good one. That wasn't good. But Google Fi, you get it everywhere? I don't have a problem with it. No. Many countries around the world have just gone with no trouble. (laughs) I mean, I could be convinced on Google Fi, but, like, you have to get on board the Blue Text Message Club. 
It's not right? that I'm against it. You guys know. What they might not know is how many phones I've dropped in bodies of water, though. And, like, I just should not be trusted with a phone of that cost. Of I that need caliber. I need, like, the $100 crap special because I'm going to drop it in a lake. It has happened. A lake, a snowbank. What about this another. phone, though? I've had it, for, you know, for, like, almost a year. Yeah, have you dropped it in anything? Not yet. So maybe you're turning over a new leaf. I can't. Almost a year. That's not. <laughs> not a great track record. It's not a well, great run. Your, your iPhone's only going to last two years. All right. So, because <laughs> they do planned obsolescence again, not a conspiracy. They just do it. Um, <laughs> honestly, you know, the, bec- thanks to the European Union, right? The new iPhones are going to have. Um, USB-C ports instead of lightning because the, the Europeans with their nas- with their continental anthem Ode to Joy by Beethoven um, Is that true? It is that true. That's, oh. the, that's the EU anthem oh, okay. is, is yeah Beethoven's uh, the final movement of the Ninth Symphony for real. Um, not a lot of people know that. But uh, you know they decided that having all these different chargers for all these different things creates waste. And I mean, yeah, I mean, I guess that's true. And, you know, while I am on mobile devices only, not laptops or desktops, but for mobile devices, I am an Apple guy. Um, But USB-C is way better than a lightning port, objectively speaking, numbers-wise. Like, there's no real argument. So great work. But I don't know. If they're going to do this, like, regulatory stuff, maybe they could talk about the waste that comes from the fact that, like, they degrade the software, you know, they, they or they shouldn't say they degrade, they up they update the software so quickly that, you know, your phone that's more than two years old, that's an iPhone, is going to start turning into a brick, basically. Um, mm. That's the bigger crime than the chargers, honestly. Um, but it is, of course, the world that we live in. Um, in this world that we live in also, the most controversial thing going on right now in our town is something that I blissfully have no role in, but I have a lot of opinions, uh, but I, I didn't start this. I'm not in the middle of it. I haven't even argued with anybody about it um, at all, but it's tennis and it's pickleball. And and I'm gonna uh, I'll let you kind of kind of tell the narrative, but before we do, I just want to preface it with something, and I might repeat this fact several times throughout this coverage um, to to emphasize a point here. But I just I'm gonna start and I'm gonna finish and I'm gonna say it in the middle. Um, I look down on people who play pickleball, and I look down on people who play tennis. Both of them. I don't like those games. I don't want to accommodate them. I don't care. I don't, you know, very unsympathetic. I'll let I'll let Zoe tell the story, but just remember, I don't like either of these two games. I don't like it that people play them. And yet, and yet, even I, even Chris DiLoretto, I understand that in this world that we live in, I am not the king of Spain. There are no laws against insulting me, you know, I, as there are in Spain. Um, I 
don't get to just tell like I don't like Dungeons and Dragons either, right? But I don't get to tell the people that they can't play it. You know, so that's keep that in mind because that's going to come back into the story in a minute. But what's going on? I'll just start with like the factual report. Factual report. um, At the August Recreation Committee meeting, um, our very thoughtful recreation director um, came to us with you know her her proposal. Um, on how to paint the tennis court that we currently have at Adams Field because it was just time for them to be resurfaced. This happens every seven, eight years or so. We are even, maybe we had gone a little longer than that. You know, she she's careful with the budget and tries to stretch things out. As long we as all know we be. don't have any Roman concrete, okay? So um, every seven so or eight years. This is just time for it to happen. and been Well budgeted for, fully planned expense, but as part of this resurfacing, she had to choose how to paint the lines. And I guess how it was before was that there was one tennis court painted just like a tennis court and three that were painted shared tennis and pickleball. That is my understanding. So so one was tennis. One tennis only. And three shared. Three shared. Four total. Yes, there's four courts total. And Three public courts provided by the town of Peterborough. And I guess there had been a lot of requests from pickleball players to have a dedicated pickleball court because I don't really understand it. The lines are different. Smaller because pickleballers are not athletic and they can't oh, run around. okay. So it's like half of the court. Anyway, they were just like, could we have one of these be pickleball courts and just not have the tennis lines on it? And so Lisa pondered, looked at the usage, looked at the needs of the town, and decided that how we would paint them is to have one dedicated tennis court, two shared courts, and one of the courts painted just for pickleball. And she came to us as a committee just for, you know, to to give us her plan and say this is what I think we should do based on what I think that the need the recreational needs and desires of our townsfolk are. Um and the only pr- people who have a problem with this are the Conval Tennis. Well, or maybe it seems like tennis players in general. I don't know if she felt that there were a lot of tennis players who would be angry. Oh, I just mean based on the... I'm just saying before, oh, before, before, we, knew. before we knew. Before we knew. And yes, so sure. we discussed this as a committee. And we had a very angry coach, right? Tennis coach about this idea. Was this before you even knew that? Um, no, but I don't... That's just here. That's some hearsay that okay. I w- I just want to stick to the factual. Okay. The documented. The documented. Documented. Okay. Factual information. Um. So, <laughs> we j- we we were like, that sounds great, Lisa. We we totally trust your judgment on this, and that is what they did. And then there was this letter. And then. I mean, did you want me to read this letter? It's a Please. little bit long, but it's very nasty. Uh, I think it's. I, I think the. I think its nastiness is worth. Uh, putting some light on here. Okay. This letter is from Tuesday, September 5th. Letter to the editor in in the, the ledger transcript. <laughs> and it is titled, Pickleball Players Had Better Show Up. Pickleball players at Adams Playground better be lined up through the parking lot waiting their turn on what the recreation department converted from a perfectly fine tennis court into a court for them alone. Anything less is proof of the department's misguided decision. 
What was wrong with the prior arrangement in which the court could be used for tennis one moment and pickleball the next? I hope pickleball players weren't so greedy as to be unsatisfied with the concessions that had already been made for them in the form of painted-on pickleball court lines. After all, they were playing on a tennis court. In any event, the department came to a stunning conclusion. Let's spend taxpayer dollars to eliminate a recreation option. If that aligns with its stated mission to provide the best possible recreation experience, that's a quote um, from our, our mission, then I'm President of the United States. Wiping off the map one of the few public tennis courts in the region, the one furthest from the sounds of the basketball court and playground, and the one nearest the tennis backboard, was bad enough before one considers that the Adams courts are also home to the Conval tennis teams. I must have missed the part where the high school is now fielding a pickleball squad, too. It was mentioned during a February 2022 Recreation Committee meeting that a designated pickleball court should be made because the sport was becoming quite popular, and there was talk about it possibly becoming an Olympic sport. Well, it still isn't one. But breakdancing now is, and that's another reason why pickleball players should be lined up outside the fence itching to take the court. Who knows when the Recreation Department will replace something they like. Well... Do you want to call this letter writer out by name? Yeah, this is by William William Valancourt. William William Valancourt, thank you for your contribution to civic discourse. Now, there's actually some more letters that came out this week, but before we get there, I I just I got to make a couple of comments about William's letter. Uh, William, oh heavens to Betsy, you might hear the sounds of those rotten, dirty children on the playground and those juvenile ruffians on the basketball court while you're trying to lob your aces in a quiet, public, reserved tennis court. Oh, my. Oh. I mean, this is, this is why we don't like tennis players to begin with, okay? Um, Jesus Christ. Uh, so, William, William, I don't know. Maybe you don't pay attention to like national news or or anything. Or but like pickleball is everywhere, and it's growing, and people are are really interested in it. And you know, trust me, man. Trust me. I know this because I am fucking really annoyed by it. Really annoyed by it. I think that it's the dumbest game. I have no idea why this is a giant craze. I. Th- it's got to have something to do with SSRIs. I don't know. I just blame them for everything these days. Um, but you know, uh, you know, I, I don't. I don't like it either, William. Okay, I don't like it. But sometimes, large groups of people, ha- you know, in a in a society, say, where there's different types of people, you know, um, come to want things that that maybe didn't exist before okay maybe they're new or maybe they were things that were out of favor that are now in favor i mean god almighty like look at history everything ebbs and flows and things come in and out of fashion and all that stuff right and so if there's this game that is played outdoors on courts a la tennis courts you know that are used for this and you know i'm sorry but like tennis itself is not like the most you know popular in-demand thing even here like i know people play it i know people use the courts but like jesus like this is not like even like top 10 recreational activities you know what i'm saying i I do think that the times the rec has tried to offer like tennis lessons it's been canceled more often than not because of low signups so like you're taking something that's like not that popular 
and you're taking something that maybe isn't that popular yet, but is clearly growing in popularity and demand and has vocal people and active users who are trying. It's very popular in Peterborough. There are a lot of pickleballers. You know, and the the you know this this accusation, like this tone of like, oh, the rec committee is just unilaterally deciding it likes pickleball more than tennis. Like, dude, you know, I don't I don't know. Like, probably not that many people like pickleball more than tennis. We didn't choose for half the town to suddenly decide that they wanted to play, you know, upright ping pong. Okay, but like, they did. Okay. And as you point out, this is a public court, and the public court has to balance the needs of all of the public, not just the people who, like, assume some personal ownership of it because they've been doing an activity there before. Things change, bub. You know what I mean? Like, get used to it. Like, that's life, all right? I don't – you don't sound like a young person, so I'm just going to go ahead and say I think you're old enough that you probably should have learned that by now, okay? you got to roll with the punches a little bit, pal, you know? Um, And lastly – the assertion that the the rec committee like spent extra taxpayer money to do this is simply a falsehood. Uh, it's a it's a false statement, as Zoe pointed out. Regular maintenance required the courts to be resurfaced. Uh, it's a simple decision of where to put the paint, not how much paint to to buy. Um, and God, that's a foolish thing to claim in the writing in a public organ here for Christ's sake try try a little harder next time William and like take it easy Um, but that's not the end of it right Um, because we have some further responses some of them positive they're not all no no one's as nasty as William in these letters yeah so I don't, know, do you, I don't know if I want to read all of these. No, don't. But yeah. just kinda, you but can just kind of yeah, say. There's three more letters. There's three more letters um, on this past Tuesday, the 12th. And and one of them, as as you mentioned, is titled, Where Are All the Tennis Players? And <laughs> and this person you know, goes on to say, like, this was a, a regular resurfacing, made that point in the paper, thankfully. Talks about, like, pickleball exploding in popularity. Um asks where the tennis players are, saying that a lot of them have become pickleball players. Um, then they there's got older, he says. Yeah, they got older. Then there's another one that's titled Pickleball Players Are Showing Up, and I, I do just, I like this uh, little anecdote, which is the day after the writer hoped that we would be lined up at the fence, there were 12 enthusiastic players despite the record heat. We utilized our two new dedicated courts, which is, the space of one one tennis court and spilled over onto the shared courts there were no tennis players yeah and like you know because th- th- that's the way that you said that makes a good point because you know in a sense the the using of the space that used to be one mixed use court to create two dedicated courts may in some cases free things up for tennis players because it allows for double the number of pickleball players to have their own space and to be off of the courts that you can play tennis on. You know? Yeah, that's true. I don't I mean I don't know how the how the nets I don't know how it works. I think works. it's the same net. Same net? Same net. Okay. Same net, just different lines. Okay. You just have to stand there like right at the net with your like fly swatter wiffle ball racket is what it looks like. Uh-huh. And you like ping pong it 
like there's no like long serves. You know what I mean? It's 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 almost like it's it's almost like badminton, except it uses the same net. You know what I mean? It's like okay. it's in terms of like space. You know, like you you can't go very far. Yeah. All it's right. all right up front. It's all right so there. So but the net's <laughs> the same. So when they when they have divided one into two, mm-hmm. they're like two long thin courts. I'd have to see it. I don't think so. No, so I don't think so. They divide them into two. So then they have two different nets? They they must have two nets on the... Yeah, you would right. need two nets for two pickleball. So this is what I'm trying to understand, like the, like the like turning the one shared court into two pickleball courts. Well, I imagine, like, think of, like, the long rectangle and, like, cut it in half. And then the net would go the other way. Probably. Okay. Probably. So, th- so I was just... I was trying to figure that out as to, like... That does sound like it would free up the shared courts for use in tennis. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. That's what I'm saying. Visualizing that. That's what I'm saying. Because you can have two pickleball games going on one court. Which you you can't do on a shared one because it uses the same net. Got it. You can only play one game at a time. Got it. You need a net for everything. I mean, that makes it even... I didn't even understand that before this moment. It's not a bad decision on Lisa's part. I didn't think it was a bad decision... Before. Before, you know, like, just... just There's because merits I trusted her this. expertise, you know what I mean, like in, yeah. in her reasoning, um, but that that makes it even clearer. And so the third the third letter is um, not n- as nasty as the other one, but it's maybe the most annoying to me. Um, it is titled "Losing Tennis Courts Hurts High School Players," and this this goes on to to talk about like how the tennis players are going to have to wait longer because now they only have three courts to use instead of four and it makes their their days really long and it's re- it ends it's really a shame that things played out like this which just is a little bit dramatic it's extremely dramatic like i'm sorry they have three courts instead of four to play games on not every town even has tennis courts and the tennis courts do not belong to the school, That's which has many towns in it. Perhaps the biggest. With a large budget and a lot of property. It's the town's tennis court. So now, again, we're going to be kind here, right? Like, you know, there's, there's, a, there's a piece of me that, you know, would w- reacts to this by straight up just being like, yeah, fuck the high school athletes. I don't give a shit about high school sports, and no one else should either, Okay. But we're not going to do that. We're going to take a moderate course here and just say, look, first of all, we are reminded constantly that Conval and the town are separate entities, and there's there's not really a good quid pro quo between the two orgs in terms of, like, uh, the two entities in terms of sharing property and resources. There just isn't, okay? There's an attitude that, like, the town and its spaces, and yes, there's, there, there may be some money exchange. That's fine. I'm not saying no expenses are, are covered or anything, but, like, that the town property must serve the school, but the school property does not, in turn, need to serve the town. Again, there's some disputing viewpoints on that. Maybe that's true. Maybe it's not. But they are separate entities. That tennis court is not for the school. It is for the town. Now, the school wants to use it because they don't have their own tennis court, and that's fine. They don't have to make one. If I wanted to be mean, I would say that they should with their big budget that's a lot of our tax money and with the tax money from the other towns that like produce the offspring that become the children that that some of which play on the team um right so but i'm not saying that i'm not saying that i'm saying we should share the the courts with the school but that the school 
is not like somehow like the magic priority or that the courts are there to serve the school. No, the the rec director and the tennis courts must find a balance. This is what I'm talking about with the republic here, you know, and the society and everything else. Like, I hate tennis. I hate pickleball. I don't want to see it. I don't want to know about it. We should pave it over. You know what? I don't like bicycle pump tracks, but if they ripped up all that non-Roman concrete and made it into a giant pump track, I wouldn't give a shit, okay? But that's me, and I'm not the king, and you, you can legally insult me. People do it all the time, okay? And I don't get to make that choice based on just my own interests. We all have to share the public resources. So, therefore, the appropriate thing to do is to balance the interests. This is called compromise. This is called, a, they have a fancy term for this. Uh, you have to balance the interests of the school children, which three courts out of four, okay, doesn't seem like deprivation to me, and the town tennis players, and the growing in number, very enthusiastic pickleball players. They, they all have to be accommodated in some degree, and I think that Lisa's decision of all the available options frankly, does a phenomenal, like the best, of all the things she could have done, that's the best possible job of balancing all of these. Nobody gets everything that they want, but everybody gets something, everyone gets a little love, everyone can make it work. You know, if you're not an asshole. It's really what it comes down to. Share the courts, guys. Get a goddamn grip. You know? Now, these are all things, of course, that couldn't be said in the Peterborough, New Hampshire Facebook group, the the main town Facebook group with its with its forget how many people are in there, but with its high number of individuals I don't know either. Uh, are in there. And you know, two episodes ago, we we we, we talked to maybe two or three episodes ago, we we talked quite a bit about the different groups, you know, uh, but that was in some ways, you know, uh, I was a little hot-headed at the moment, not that I take back anything that I said because I don't, but, you know, I, I was, I had just been exiled once again from that group, right, and so I was pretty mad, and we're not going to, we're not going to go down that road, we're not going to spend that much time saying fuck Don Sykes, maybe a little time, but, like, not that much time, and, um, but I do want to talk about this again because, uh, I so we're given more props as, as we've been doing, and I want to I want to call up the iPad here and, uh, and and find this in here. But t- today we are giving some props to none other than Blair Weiss. Now Blair, uh, some of you may know him as a member of the planning board. Some of you may know him as uh, the owner of a very cool car, um, whose name I'm not going to try to speculate on because I won't get it right. Um, but Blair, some of you may know, is also uh, the guy with the initiative who founded exactly one year ago today the Peterborough, New Hampshire Uncensored Group. And um, I want to, uh, if, if I can find it in a second, I'm going to read Blair's anniversary post because it's very nice. And I think it, it speaks to, yeah, um, yeah, let me just, let me just bear with me. Let me, let me read this here because it's worth it. This is from Blair, 18 hours ago. Um, Happy birthday, Peterborough, New Hampshire, uncensored. Today marks our one year and 1,250 members. 
I couldn't be happier with the success of the page. To be honest, the first week or two, I wondered if we did the right thing by making this page. It seemed like a few people were testing the waters to see if I would really not censor their posts. I remember this. And there were people trying to make it sport, to have me ban someone else by screenshotting an IM conversation that may or may not have started on this page. In the end, nobody has been banned over stuff like that. In the future, I was thinking about the first person to report a post is going to get a little time in the corner. Everyone is free to leave if their feelings get hurt. The only people I have banned and removed their post are the HVAC duct cleaning scammers, which breaks rule number eight. I have literally got it down to knowing who they are before they post. They will have a very locked down Facebook profile with the exception of a few photos of their very photogenic family. I won't divulge any more of my algorithm, but it works. Administration for Chris and I has been pretty much hands off, can attest, it certainly has. But there are some things I think we should do more often. We have such a talented group of local professional professional and amateur photographers. There is no reason why we don't change the group photo more often. I'll try to run a monthly contest. We haven't had a membership drive, but for the first anniversary, why doesn't everyone invite 10 of their friends that lives in Peterborough or very local to Peterborough? That might tip the membership closer to the non-freedom Peterborough page. If anyone is a budding writer, why not post a weekly commentary on the state of Peterborough or your new kitten? And, and I'll just add to that. If you want to write something about the state of Peterborough and you throw it up there and we like it, you know, you, you may hear from us. We might want to put it on Goldman Adnock because we're, we're always looking for that kind of thing too. So I second that request from Blair. Back to Blair. Photographers are always welcome to post a daily photo of our town talking to you, Bree, Jeff, Kevin, Nick, et al. In the end, I think I did the right thing, and this page works for us. Thanks, everyone, for one year. Any other thoughts to make this a better page? I didn't say safer. Thank you, Blair. Shoot them to Chris or I. And that's that. And so, yeah, thanks, Blair. I, I echo Blair's sentiments, and, and I want to give a little bit of background. And again, I'm not going to do this from a, from a perspective of rage because I don't feel rage today. Um, we're being very positive, okay? Um, but, you know, there is the Peterborough, New Hampshire group. And, and why is it the main group? Why does it have the most followers? Well, it's luck. Okay, and I've said this before, and that's all it is. Whoever in any town across the land, across the wide realm of America, right, somewhere around like 2010, I want to estimate, 2010 to 2012 or so, is when the idea of town Facebook groups came into the world. Okay, and there was this time period, just like with anything else new on the Internet, where those people who went in and like claimed it first got it. Okay, and that's what happened with this guy who no one seems to know. Like, I know a lot of people in this town, like a ton of people, and nobody fucking knows Don Sykes. Nobody fucking knows this guy. Okay, where is he? Who is he? How the hell did he get the luck to do this? But he did. Okay, he did. That's fine. That's how it works. You know, um, Facebook is not fairness. Okay, um, no one claimed that. No one promised that. That's fine. I understand that. It's great. Um, so he got it, okay? And it's just a matter of critical mass and inertia. When, when you became the group that started at that time, typically that was the time just when everyone joined it. And once everybody's in a town Facebook group, they're not really looking for a second group typically. So they just stay there and inertia keeps it going and that's the way it is. You know, over 10 years later, that's how it goes, okay? Um, so 
but you know, my view is if you're a decent person and you care about quality and like you you presumably if you started this group, you care about community discourse and things like that. Um, and I'm not saying that you have to like everything, but you know, judiciousness is important and, and consistency is important. And if there are going to be rules and there are going to be things that are like verboten, then you know, I mean it should be across the board and um, it should also be judiciously applied. You know, and there should also be, you know, reasons for exceptions and things like that. But instead, what we have is effectively what I've been joking about with, like, the king of Spain. You know, we've got the king, you know, and, you know, just like the monarchs of Europe are of, like, incredibly low quality in in the 2020s, right? Like, that's what we have here with the, the founder and the moderators of the, the Peterborough, New Hampshire group. They're like the, the kind of, like, inbred kings that still exist in Europe, you know, but they still have some laws on their side, right? So they use that and they, and they maintain it. And you can't have a very honest discussion on that page. You can't, in some cases, be critical of, like, public interest things, you know, not just a personal battle, but, you know, what, what we criticize and, and what we, you know, talk about that's not, super positive or whatever and when people bug the shit out of you you can't tell them that um because that's you know that's just how it is over there when someone you know really crosses a line and you know does a lot of thing if you retaliate you know if you are not one of the people in in favor of like the king of spain well then you get booted and stuff so many times before this, I mean, I don't know how many, but a bunch of times before this page was founded by Blair, um, there were attempts to do this, um, and they all failed. N none of them brought enough people over with them. Um, and, they, you know, as, as Blair kind of alludes to, like, that very well could have happened with this group, but it didn't. The moment a year ago when this, when this started was a moment in which the problems with this main town page were really obvious to a lot of people. And that's why a lot of people immediately came over to the new group and why it's continued to grow. And yes, we're not at the mass of the other one, but having 1,200 plus uh, people in it is like 10 times more than any of the attempts in the past to have a, a moderation-free group, a freedom group, as I like to call it, um, break off. Um, so absolutely new ground here we're covering. And it's going to continue. It has stood the test of time. You know, it's not a waste. It's vibrant. I know because it's like I'm not in the other group anymore. <laughs> so this is the one where I have. And, th and there's, you know, there's some good, uh, good stuff going in there constantly. And we can swear. And, and we do all the time. And it's great. And so thank you to Blair. The, in, at the sa around the same time, there was another. I should. I don't want to. Uh, be selective, you know, only only select the examples uh, of that the support my freedom group, right? There was another alternative group that was formed at that time called... I think that one was much older. Was it? Had it yeah, been Yeah, I think that that it one It gained, was I think, during either, that Yeah, time. it probably did gain, but it was li mm, pre-COVID or early COVID. Okay, okay. So th this is... I'm speaking of the Our Town Peterborough. The Maple Leaf one. Yeah, and... So that one, so so per, yeah, I, you're probably right. It, it's old, but I do think that they saw a lot of growth at the same time that this one did, and you know, that's fine. It's it's a really boring group. Like it's 
um, it's like so boring that like I wouldn't even try to start shit in there. Like it's like really just dead in there, right? But they these two groups I think represent like the two possible paths coming off this clusterfuck of this really low quality group that still exists to this day. Because you know you've got two choices. You can say no, we're going to take the freedom at whatever cost, right? And like that's that might cost us in annoyance or you know, an unpleasant encounter or, you know, just something putting us in a bad mood or, or just, you know, really making us feel a way that we don't want to feel, right? But but maybe we say that that cost is worth it for, you know, the creativity and the the spirit, the true American individual, you know, pioneering trying new things, testing the boundary spirit that can only really happen when people are left to their own devices, right? We believe that that cost is worth it. On the other hand, if really what you want, and a lot of people do want this, just like pickleball, I'm not going to disenfranchise them, a group that just nothing happens except very, no one even complains about anything, but very occasionally someone needs a plumber, very occasionally someone talks about so an event that's going to happen. There's no conversation. There's there's nothing happening. But maybe you want that because that's the sort of 65-year-old that you are. Um, that group is available. But we have outperformed them in the, in a shorter period of time. And so to all of you who have joined us in the Freedom Group and who continue to participate or even just lurk in the fantastic F-bomb strewn conversations that we have that are quite funny and jovial and frankly extremely community oriented in our true community, honest community in a way that the regular group cannot produce and will not produce because of its leadership. I salute you and I thank you for joining us. And like Blair said, tell your friends. Let's get some more people in there. Because it's happening. This is the place. The oh, yeah. It's going to shift over there. Happy birthday. Happy birthday. Thank you, Blair. Um, oh, and I did thank you to our uh, another subject. And, and, this, and this may do it for us today. I'm not sure how much else there really is. But um, thanks to our esteemed select board member and friend, Bill Taylor, um, and I and I do um, before I say what what he badgered me about. Um, I want to say that I, in general, I really applaud the fact that we have um, elected leadership in this town that often goes out of its way to recognize and to give credit to our very worthy town employees um, for the work that they do. Um, and we, you know, we love the town employees as well. We are not we are not haters. Of, uh, of the town workers. And so Bill, Bill brought it to my attention. You know, we gave Kate Kuhn props last week for um, the successful grant against my objections um, of the community center, which means that I have to shut up now. Um, and I don't rescind my credit to Kate. It was Kate's willpower and the, the, the vision and the desire to do this that pushed it through. But what Bill informed me, I didn't know this. I wasn't trying to uh, deny anyone credit, but uh, apparently it was Allie Kreutz in the office downtown who wrote the grant application. And as you know, anyone who's even has even like a cursory familiarity with grants uh, knows this is why there are literally 
a grant writer is a job um, that is sometimes paid very well at an institution because getting grant money often really does come down to how the application is written and how it's presented. And so Bill pointed out to me that basically Allie took that on um, and, and basically was responsible for the writing and, and the final product of that grant application um, that, that really got us far more than anyone expected. Um, so no one's disenfranchised here. Allie, congratulations and thank you for your work uh, there in making that happen. That's a lot of money. It must have been a hell of a grant application. And so um, don't want to leave you out. Thank you, Allie, and thank you, Bill, um, for you know, making sure that we, we got the record straight on that one there. Um, but let's paint over the bees because we're not all part of the hive. We don't want that. We want freedom, not drones. Drones. What is what is the strike. freedom? What is the freedom insect? Probably like a locust. Just comes and takes every. No, I'm just I'm just joking. That's a colonizer insect. Um, like a monarch butterfly. Yeah. Yeah. I guess so. Maybe we can find natural world role models that aren't bugs. Mm. Just throwing that out there. Bears. Uh, it le you know, I don't like the bears, but I would rather be compared with a bear than a bug. Do you want to be a bug? Like, do you want to tell your kids, like, be like a bug? You know, I know you guys fetishize, like, in and in, in I really use that word intentionally because it is almost sexual, the pollinators. <laughs> Even though we live in the largest growing forest in the world and there's pollinating plants fucking everywhere, no matter how many people don't mow their lawn, um, it really is. It's, it's libidinous the way that you obsess over pollinators. Um, and I really, I, like, I kind of wish like Freud was alive so that he could, because this is beyond anything that Freud could have ever conceived of. That's how weird you are, okay? I know you love the pollinators, but do you want to call your children bugs? You know, do you want to say to the kids, like, you're part of the hive? You know, do you know what that means? Do you know what it means to be like an average bee in a hive? Is that what we want from our kids? That's definitely a little edible. Edible? Edible. Like Oedipus complex? Oh, edible. I was like, edible? I was like, yeah, these people need to eat an edible instead of thinking about pollinators. Um, but, <laughs> yes, no, like it is. Well, if you're, what is your... Is well, your the queen lays all the eggs oh, for I all see. of so them. Oh, I see, so mama queen. And then, so, like, all the boys that hatch, all the drones are, like, her sons. But they want a banger. Yeah, that's their only job. Is that what you and want? And then the daughters just work themselves to death and never get to reproduce. If I mean now, I, now, now we're getting into like Margaret it, Atwood territory here. <laughs> like what you know? Uh, it is a little odd now that you mention it in a psychosexual framework. <laughs> Do you want us to be part of the hive? Really? You know, like I don't say this out of like an ignorance of, of nature. I say it because I know what bees do. And <laughs> we almost ended on such a positive even, <laughs> even if we are aroused by the idea of like bees eating from flowers, I just don't think that we want to send the message like be like the bees. And that's frankly ridiculous. And I just wish that I was around to say something when someone 
somewhere who I'm sure was very well-intentioned and like horny for pollen um, decided that this would be a good idea to to paint on the side of this bunker when we could have painted anything, literally anything in the world. We decided to do insects and with a message like encouraging us to be like the insects. I, like I just wish I was there to maybe gently without F-bombs and maybe without the, the sexy stuff gently point out the other side of this that like but maybe you didn't think this all the way through like anybody thought about this you don't want your kids to be like the bugs they don't behave very well not an example not my friends it's the best advice I can possibly give you on a Thursday such as this in a post 9-11 world okay don't be like the bees be like a human that's what we want. We need more humans, not more bees. Okay? That's our show for this week. Thank you for joining us. I'm headed to D.C. for the summit. I'll bring you back some um, nothing probably, but like I'll, I'll come back. I'm coming back after the weekend. We'll do this again next week. Maybe we'll have a guest. Um, maybe we'll have Ed Marker. Who knows? It's been hard to nail down. They did have that forum tonight, and I'm, I don't know any details, but I'm told it went really well. So props to the fire department and anybody who went there and let us have a new fire station. But we'll talk about that more another week, okay? Until that day comes, we all reconvene here in the space lounge. Whether it's about the bees or something else, please, I urge you, before you take good advice until we can see each other again. Thank you for joining us. 